welcome to Embrace the Madness. It's a podcast where we turn all the weird, sticky parts of being a human into things that bring us joy and make the most out of life. I'm your host, Madeline, and I'm super, super, super excited to bring this episode to you. I got to interview my best friend of 22 years. That's a long, long time. And yeah, I'm just so, so grateful we got to do this interview. Tristan's been such a special person in my life, and she's grown into this wonderful, inspirational human. And I'm so grateful that she's my best friend and that she's killing it, dude. She's literally making a name for herself and helping make Memphis a better place. And I'm so excited that she shared a little bit of her journey and brought some of her love and light to the podcast. We were having a conversation someday and she mentioned radical acceptance and it kind of flagged something in my brain because I had read this book called Radical Acceptance by Tara Brock and it's all about kind of Embracing who you are, acknowledging these dark parts, but also these light parts, and learning how to kind of embrace duality within yourself and still look at yourself with compassion and radical acceptance. And so she has been using that skill in her life and career and I'm excited for her to talk about it and for y'all to listen because I really do think, and you can hear us chat about it, but it's such an important skill, especially when years like last year or just when shit starts to hit the fan, there's not really much that we feel like we can do. We feel out of control. We feel just all this is a whirlwind of emotions, but when you can stay aware of what's happening in the moment and stay aware of yourself and your feelings, then you have a little bit better grip on the situation and you actually have a lot more control than you think. So thanks so much for tuning in and I'm going to go ahead and let you listen to the interview. I hope you enjoy. Okay, so today I'm welcoming my best friend of Oh no, I was supposed to find out what number it was before I started. Well, 20. How old are we now? 27. I almost said 22. <laughs> well, we know each other 22 since... years. Yeah, holy. It's a yeah. long time. Best friend of 22, we'll say years on the podcast today, and I'm super excited. Tristan's been my best friend through and through. We grew up living next door to each other, and I can't believe she's on the podcast now, but she's going to be here talking about radical acceptance and what that means, and I totally want to ask her about what she's done career-wise and how she got to where she is today and all the other stuff that best friends talk about. So, hello, Tristan. Hey, I'm happy to be here. It's really exciting. I'm so proud of you for having this podcast. Um, Thanks. But yeah, thanks for having me. Of course. I'm on like episode, I think this is episode 53. It's hard to think about. Yeah, that's a lot. It's been a whole year. A lot of insight. 
spreading joy or around ramblings. the world. You know. <laughs> However, you if people want listen, to take then they it. listen. <laughs> so true. Thanks. Thanks. <laughs> yeah. So I guess I don't know. Start from the beginning when you were a wee baby. A wee baby, like, or wherever you want to start. About like, I know you weren't always doing psychology. Yeah, she's on track to get her PhD right now, so that's where right. she's at now. Um, I guess just like start. What when? Because I remember you weren't always doing psychology. Right. Like, what made you think about like what was going through your head when you? We're like, maybe I want to do this for a major. Because weren't you doing communications or journalism? Yeah. Well, okay. So, like, I was originally majoring in psychology, and then I changed it to journalism because I was like, I don't want to go to grad school. And I know for a fact that if I want to do anything with a psychology degree, that I'll most likely have to go to grad school. And I was like, I'm not smart enough for that. I'll never get into grad school kind of thing. And so... Oh. I just put myself down and then I didn't like journalism and I was like, well, I was actually like enjoying my classes at least in psychology and, you know, like maybe grad school like wouldn't be a bad thing. Um, And so I went back to psychology and you were also majoring in psychology. So we got to take like one class together. (laughs) It was like after however many many years years. we have one class. But but wait, we took two, right? Wait, we, we took stats one, well, the research class, the first one and the second one. I Together? Think. Yeah, so I guess two. Yeah, because we had Dr. Rosh. Yes. And then, <laughs> um, yeah, so I was in psychology and then I decided that I wanted to go into the counseling field and the University of Memphis has a really good counseling program. And so... Then I went into the master's program at U of M. Um, but, like, basically, like, why I was interested in it, like, as you know, like, my family had issues um, growing up, you know, like, with Chase, my brother. He had, like, mental health concerns and, like, behavioral concerns that I was always – I was, like, his third parent, um, basically trying to deal with that. That older sibling life. <sighs> right. Half parent, half sibling – Yeah, it was a mess for a long time, and he was in therapy and out of therapy, and he was doing better and then not doing better. He's doing better, by the way, um, right now, but it made me more interested in psychology and, like, that that route, Um, and I'm actually, like, working at um, a place where he was recommended by his counselor to go to but he didn't end up going Is it to like it. an inpatient thing? um it's a partial hospitalization program um his therapist thought it would be good for him but my parents you know like they weren't always pro mental health like they are they still have that stigma about it and think like yeah, I feel like yeah yeah it wasn't really until our generation that it was like yeah this is important right yeah and I we tried going to family therapy and my master's program and that was we had like three sessions and then stuff with chase like just exploded and we didn't go back and my mom actually continued with that therapist and so she found a therapist through all that but and she's still seeing that one yeah she's actually still seeing that therapist and so it's been actually was good 
in that way, even if it wasn't good for family therapy. Yeah. But then I decided I was in the master's program and then I was like, well, I'm really passionate about this field and the field as great as it is still has its problems. And so I just wanted to get my doctorate because of how I want to change, like help improve the field through like research and like advocacy. And so that's why I wanted to pursue my doctorate and I'm doing it right after, like, cause I just graduated August, 2000 and hmm, so like a year 19. Ago? Yeah. I think 19. I graduated in August, 2019. And then I started in August, 2019 the doc program I mean the whole thing's been back to back hasn't it right you take a break from undergrad no yeah I'm which there are benefits in taking a break and there are a lot of people in my cohort that did take a break and some have their licensure like their um counseling license but I was I know myself and I, I was already like in the like I was in like academia and that was like I had that drive right now and so I thought might as well start right now. Like, I didn't know that we're about, I was going to have one semester and a half and then we were going to go to Zooms in a university Ooh, yeah. and be online because of the pandemic. But, you know, we make, we make it work and we're flexible. But yeah. That's something I thought about. Have you all had like a whole entire curriculum of like how to improve and like ensure that teletherapy is efficient? Like, do y'all have like protocol and like things that you study like look in the camera or like because I mean I feel like because it's interesting because I had only gone to see my therapist for one in-person session (laughs) and then the the corona thing happened but I don't feel like teletherapy has been any different right yeah which is good I guess everyone's kind of different on how they view it and like before this it was mentioned and as an option, like it's always an option. And some people do that just for convenience and it's help. It, it's been helpful to reach like, you know, like rural populations mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. But no one really had like, unless you were <laughs> right. already doing teletherapy, no one really knew like what ethical considerations mm-hmm. there might be. Like, say for instance, your client says that they're going to kill themselves and you're not in person. Like, what are you going to do versus right. like if they were in your office and you could actually like de-escalate them and um in person when yeah it can be kind of scary so there's like a whole bunch of like ethical things to consider about teletherapy but in general like I feel like it's can be very similar yeah like sometimes like the technology can get in the way like with my therapist I have had a couple teletherapy and our call is dropped a couple times um she's older and the first time I don't think knew that I could only see like her nose (laughs) and her forehead (laughs) and I was like hey Carrie um I can't really see your whole face but you know just like working out the logistics part but one good thing about teletherapy is you can actually like see like learn more about the client's context and like, like see them in their room or, or like yeah like seeing them in their environment and like say for instance if it's like a mom of five and she's constantly having like interruptions and stuff and that kind of just gives you more of a picture of that makes sense her home life so like it does have some benefits and yeah. obviously it's convenient because so you don't have to leave your house so yeah. that's good too 
I feel like this interview, like I know I want to talk about radical acceptance, but I'm also like opening up for like all these other things just because we have like 22 years of history, but I'm like, my mind's going blank. I'm like, I don't know what to ask her. (laughs) No, that's okay. Just overall, like, I don't know. Is grad school like a lot harder than you thought it would be? Is it more manageable than you thought it would be? It's what a, is what what were your expectations? It's a love hate relationship. It's more love though because <laughs> like obviously I wouldn't have gone on to my right doc the doctoral program if I didn't like school. So like I one thing about counseling in the master's program and then also in the doc program is like you learn a lot about yourself through it because a lot of times you're practicing on your classmates and then you have to do like role plays or didactic experiences and then you obviously have to take classes in all these different areas and so it brings up stuff sometimes like I know there's one time where I was sharing with my friend who was my counselor Mm -hmm. at that time we were practicing and then I shared something. I honestly don't remember what I shared with her, but we she started crying and then I started crying. And then my teacher, she was like walking around different rooms to check in. Um, and she was like, do we need to we need to stop and like have a, a group hug? And I was like, yeah, yes, we do. <laughs> and I don't know. It's just like you're closer with your professors. You're closer with your with your cohort and I don't know I feel like like I've emotional level yeah like I feel like I've changed and I'm in a good way though like I've grown from it um and I would just I would do it all over again if I like had to um but yeah it's definitely a rewarding experience but yes the work is a lot and I have to I'm still learning to know my limits and to be able to say no when I'm Mm -hmm. asked to like help with my dissertation or be on this research team or hey you want to be a student member of this organization I'm like you know get overwhelmed like you want to say yes to all the things but you have to know your limits yeah so a lot of it is learning to set boundaries too. For sure. Yeah. And those are the hardest. Yeah. I'm still not great at it. So it's a work in progress for sure. I'm sure you're doing great. I'm trying. <laughs> you didn't have the boundaries to say no to me. I'm just well, kidding. I would I know never you want to say no to you. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, yeah. So Tristan's, let's walk through all your accolades really fast because I feel like you've done so many cool ass things like. You were the president of Help Me Out. Uh, well, I'm the president of currently, yeah, Chi Sigma Iota, which is the Counseling Honor Society. How long have you? Is that the same? I feel well, like- I was the social chair for. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Like this organization for pretty much my entire master's, and then they with COVID and everything, like they had a low, um, amount of interest. And so I was like, well, we can't let the organization just like fall apart. And so I was like, well, I guess I could be the president. (laughs) (laughs) 
because <laughs> like the past, the former president was like, I think you, I think you should be the president. I think you should be the president. I was like, I don't want to be the president. And <laughs> now I am the president. Um, but I'm not going to be president next year because I'll take, I'm going to step down. I'm still going to be involved because it's like one of those things, like I can't let it go now that yeah. I've been involved with it. Like I've been on the board for so long. But I'm going to probably take like a role that's not as, you know, all inclusive. <laughs> yeah. Is that one of the things that you get a cord for? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. And are you going to have a whole rainbow of cords? Well, I will have one other cord. It's like the regular honors association for the whole school. But, you know. For psychology or just the school? The whole school. So it's like the top however like many percent memphis? um university memphis okay. so it's like the top five percent of undergrads or top in top two percent of grad students like gpa wise or oh, something yeah. i don't really remember the percentages but Do you just get straight a's yeah well and i didn't get straight a's in undergrad i found that i got the highest grades in the classes that i was interested in so mm-hmm. like as more, or yeah. the more you, like, focus in mm-hmm. on your... Like, my grades niche. in undergrad improved as I went on. My junior and senior year, I got, like, mostly A's because I was taking all psychology classes mm-hmm. and actually interested in it instead That's of, like, taking geology to. or <laughs> yeah. something. Yeah. yeah. Those random gen eds that you're not, like, super interested in. I would not, obviously, I would put in less effort in them. Yeah. So... Yeah. Well, I'm so proud of you. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm proud we of were you. were always like, thanks, growing up. And I feel like I was always the academic oriented one. And then I Oh, yeah. My mom I, always said, she was like, Maddie's going to work at NASA one day. <laughs> you probably remember her saying that. Like, she said I'm that so DJ much. for NASA. <laughs> yeah. You throw their the parties. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. You were always like doing all, you got a whole bunch of awards and then studied abroad and can speak French and we yeah but I think I use school as like an escape so yeah well you know I part of me still like I have accepted the fact that I wasn't ready to be in the real world yet and so school you mean like career like career wise yeah because like I still don't know exactly what I want to do career wise like I want to be in higher ed and like an academia but also want to practice so it's a it's a way of not having to make that decision right. yet. <laughs> so. Well, you have a PhD. Well, you will have a PhD, so you'll be able to do really anything. I hope in terms of that field. But I guess psychology is one of the cool ones because you know normally if you get like a PhD in history or you philosophy, have you have to teach. Yeah. So. Yeah, unless you can, you can do research, I guess, and or write books. Like a lot of people will add a chapter to a textbook. You can get money from that well you actually don't get that much money from that but you could write your own textbook no says you right now (laughs) yeah well maybe like (laughs) want to have like a super specialty i could have you picked out what your dissertation is yet uh yeah so i'm going to look at the intersectionality of privileges um of future counselor educators and looking at how that informs their counselor identity and their like teaching pedagogy and how it informs like their teaching practices. So like I'm really interested to see like one if they 
can identify like their privileges and like if like that, if they're self aware. Yeah, like how much that factors into like their professional identity as like a counselor, as a counselor educator, um, because that privilege is like one of those topics I feel like gets overlooked in because like we always learn about multicultural and we have to take multicultural counseling. But like privilege is not as talked about as like racism or like oppression. I think it's easier to separate yourself from privilege. And that's why it's maybe not discussed as much because it can be harder to like quantify where like as you can be like, oh, well, that was clearly like a microaggression kind of thing. Like Um, there's not like a rubric or anything. Right. And there are so many types of privilege, like racial privilege, like class, religion, sexual orientation, gender, all those things. So I think it's interesting to see how those intersect with each other to see like how that like forms one's identity, you know, because you could have like a privileged like for me, like I'm privileged because I'm like a white, white person. I'm also like straight. But then I'm also a female, which is less privileged, you know? And so, like, how these different things come together Mm -hmm. is really interesting to me. Have you found, like, I guess, are you still early in that? Oh, yeah. Like, your research? Like, you haven't really found findings yet? Found findings? (laughs) Right. No, like, I – because, like, we have to do a residency project – and a dissertation. What does that mean, residency? Like you go practice? No, you would think because, but no, it's actually like you have to come up with your, like for, I took the residency class and in this class you have to basically come up with a study and basically write everything up and then submit it to the IRB. And so for anyone who doesn't know, that's the institutional review board to make sure we don't national. (laughs) We make sure we don't harm people with research um, or animals or animals. Yeah. Sorry. I don't know. It's okay. I don't work with rats like Maddie did. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah. So once I submit that, like technically I have an incomplete in that class right now because my chair hasn't approved my my study yet. He said he's approved it, but he hasn't actually technical things anyways once I get it submitted then I will get the grade for that class and so but they you don't have to actually do the study but it's just like they say like well why not like you already have a perfect study that's approved right uh-huh. here like might as well like run wait study. they're qualified to approve it like they're a member of the IRB oh no but but like once they we do get approval sure. our professors are like well once you try yeah and so I'm doing quantitative, which I'm going to do a survey to um, future counselor educators for my residency, and then I'm going to do qualitative for my dissertation. And so I'm going to use the survey and, like, the information I get back on the survey to help me form my dissertation and see if I want to make any changes based on what I find because I want to do more in-depth interviews for And that's how you would get the qualitative? yeah. Because I know quantitative is like numbers and measuring. Right. And then qualitative is more like subjective. Yeah. And it's like, well, it's like interviews, like how you get your data, like through interviews, through observations. Okay. Through it's focus just a groups. different way of yeah. measuring data. Yeah. Okay. So 
are are future counselor educators like like students yeah like that's where you're gonna get your right so students in other in the same program i'm in but from other schools because okay obviously i can't really survey my cohort because they obviously know what my study is about sure yeah so for conflict of interest um but yeah so hopefully once that gets approved i can send out my survey to people and hopefully i'll get some responses that's exciting (laughs) like what kind of questions are you gonna ask just like um where where do they find privilege yeah in their lives right well first i'm asking them about like if they identify like first i'm like i'll have a lot of demographic information Mm -hmm. and then like whether or not they consider their different identities as privileged or not like their own perception of that oh wow yeah because i want to see like also like if they think that they have privilege because i think that's really important for future counselor educators to understand and be aware um like it is subjective to a certain degree yeah I feel like that that's what I was about to say like Mm -hmm. it's become such a huge topic not just for counselors right but just like for humans yeah and like it seems like it would be subjective but it's kind of just this objective mm-hmm. thing that's not good or bad. It just is. Yeah, right. Um, and so I'm looking at that and then also how much each of their identities, so like how much their gender identity, how much their religious identity, how much that um, impacts their professional identity, like plays a role into that. Can you talk about professional identity just like yeah so like professional identity would consist of like everything that they do like so as a counselor as a teacher as a professor as a um researcher as a like an advocate as someone that maybe like is in leadership and is in organization and works at like um with like legislation and that kind of stuff like all kinds of those things would it be like their how their objective privilege affects their identity or how their subjective or I guess you're looking at both like yeah how does it their subjective how would it manifest yeah. how would it manifest through their identity professional identity I think that's what I'm just like how how would you know like what oh. topics they talk about or yeah so a lot of like what we learn about is like how the first step of like multicultural like competency is to being self-aware and mm-hmm. so yeah. seeing how aware they are and then if they think that it affects their practice because it will like inevitably like your like me being a white female heterosexual my frame of reference is different sure. yeah based on that and so knowing that coming into like a classroom or a counseling session or as a supervisor to another counselor, like knowing where your identities and how they might affect your beliefs and your values and how those translate to your work. So that's so cool. Yeah. It's, I never, it's a lot. Um, Like I never like thought about how much, 
um, is involved with it. Cause like originally I was just looking at why privilege, but then obviously like when you're thinking of studies, like you got to see layers. like, where's the gap in the research and there's less about intersectionality. Um, and that would just be like the, how your privileges intersect and, um, work together or don't work together. Um, but yeah, it's when you actually put in all of the privileges, it can be overwhelming because there are so many ways to view it but that would be some really cool you got to show me what the data and the, the yeah. graphs look like you can read my um, um 100 yes. and so page dissertation <laughs> yes. when I'm done you know I will that'd be so fun yeah when I was writing my I mean I was just an Your undergrad thesis. thesis but it was still like well I didn't even do an undergrad uh, thesis so <laughs> yeah yeah so yeah it's, it's a lot did you do one for master's or did you do something we didn't have to do a thesis. Oh, so this will be your first one. Yeah. Like, I've done, nice. like, research. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, like, I've not done, like, a... How many? It's, like, 100 pages? It'll probably be more than that. Holy shit. It could be, like, 300, technically. Yeah, but how many pages are your references? Like, 20? <laughs> probably. Yeah. That was always my favorite part, like... Because I always love that part about research papers. Like, doesn't count the reference page. Right. Like, or the title page. Those aren't included. Or the I just abstract love doing page. It, like the MLA format or now APA. APA, but yeah. I was just like, this is easy <laughs> formatting. Did you ever use like EasyBib? Uh yeah, a little bit. I always like those. Yeah. because well, I think we were probably the last generation or so. Cause don't you remember we used to do research papers on like index cards? Or like oh, you yeah. had to write your sources on an index card yeah. and you turned them in in like different levels and then you would like get your notes yeah i and remember that probably one of the last generations where like we weren't allowed to use the internet for oh, sources. yeah i remember you only have like <laughs> books right we had to go to the library and check out things and which yeah. i'll still check out a book like yeah, i love i I'm, i'll books. still do that but obviously i'm not gonna base right. my entire research on print materials yeah because then it's just a lot i feel like it's a lot easier to skim articles yeah do you get on pubmed i mean i guess or google scholar yeah and then like the u of m you know has a whole bunch of resources and databases and all kinds of stuff okay dang that's bringing back memes (laughs) (laughs) so much fun yeah uh well that's super cool i feel like it's super relevant today obviously oh yeah um well yeah i changed it because of all of this um because well because like with everything that happened this summer is like when I was actually thinking about changing it and then like once because like I had another idea and I was gonna look at um because like I'm also interested in like suicide prevention and awareness and I was gonna look at college students and um suicidality but it was very like it wasn't like I couldn't figure out the right route to go. And then like once everything this summer happened, I kind it kind of just clicked for me. And so I think that was helpful. Yeah. Um, Cause now I have like a better sense of direction well, and like so where specific. I want to go. Yeah. Yeah. It was more broad for a long time and I finally, finally got it more specific. Yeah. Um, because it, like it was very overwhelming question. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> 
And it can like branch off into other things as well. Cause like I'm on a research team and we're like looking at race-based trauma and I was already like looking at that before I changed this. And so I'd already like read a lot about that, which race-based trauma is different than privilege, but like obviously it's still in like the multicultural realm of things. Like under that umbrella. Yeah. Yeah. Talk about that. Yeah, like, I am on a research team with, well, we have this research team, which is, like, with U of M, um, Florida State University, and Lindsey Wilson. It's, like, three schools, and we're looking at race-based trauma. Um, Right now, we're just looking, it's, like, one of the beginning studies. We're looking to see if programs include race-based trauma in their curriculum, and so we're, like, looking at syllabi and their course materials from other um, programs to see like how they're including it, if they're including it. Um, so yeah, we're starting on that right now. So that's fun. Um, but I've just like had to read a lot about that. Um, and it's just been very relevant with, you know, like in the summer with like the Black Lives Matter and the protests and everything. And just, Basically, like, race-based trauma is, like, can present very similar to PTSD, but it... it can you talk about what, like, what is it, the objective? Yeah, so it's, like, the whatever. effects of, like, racial trauma, and so, like, from being oppressed, being, like, either... It could be, like, a parent, or it can be... I forgot the word. I'm trying to think of. Perceived... Mm. I don't know if that's the right word, racism. And so it's just basically how the effects of racism, oppression, microaggressions, like anything like this. And then like vicarious trauma, watching things, you know, like watching the video of like George Floyd and how that can have vicarious trauma through that. And vicarious meaning like through someone else seeing the police shootings of like innocent black people that can be traumatic for a person of color because they're like well that could easily be me or my brother my son daughter whatever and that can manifest itself in like a trauma response and Mm -hmm. it can present very similarly to ptsd and so do you think would that be like in the realm of like complex ptsd or that's a little bit different um it could be and so like there isn't complex like if it happens consistently to yeah yeah it can be hard because like if you're still going through it it's one of those things that can be very that counselors need to be aware of and also be need to know that it's one of those things that's ongoing and Mm -hmm. it can be difficult to like you probably maybe don't always you don't fully heal from that because you might still be experiencing it but basically just learning understanding like what this is and if I think if you're able to understand like hey I'm I'm experiencing this because of prior experiences or like what I'm actually going through can be very helpful for people like just like the clients yeah like clients it's just really important for therapists to be aware of that because like undoubtedly like that will affect a client that you have I've talked to Cause like, I'm also, I work in the Dean of Students office, you know, and I've met with so many students who are just going through it because of everything that happened. Like, they just like, don't know what to do. They feel anxious all the time. This one girl, um, she was afraid to leave her house and just run around 
the block um, because of Ahmaud Arbery, because of that um, situation. She was actually afraid because she was an avid runner. And after that happened, she was like, I don't even know if I like want to go run anymore. Like, yeah, kind of thing. And it's a very real situation. And it's something that we need to be aware of as counselors, like as people in general, like yeah. how this affects others, you know, because it can be a lifelong a lifelong battle. So I'm so proud of you for doing all this. That's awesome. Thanks. I mean, we've I like tried, talked about it on the surface, but <laughs> yeah. I yeah. Mean, I just think it's so needed. And yeah. especially now, like we, you can't be afraid to talk about it. And like, you can't, you're not always going to be able to get it right when talking about it, but that's okay. And like being able to be like, I, I don't know everything about this mm-hmm. and I want to know more. And I want to be informed. And so, like, when talking with clients, if, say, like, they're of a different ethnicity than you, pointing that out at the beginning, mm-hmm. mean like, hey, like, I see we have differences and I'm just checking in with you, just getting a read on, like, how you're doing with that. And that way, like, if you bring that, like, if you speak to that at the beginning, then the goal is to hopefully like after you build rapport that hopefully if anything comes up racial injustice that they would feel comfortable bringing that up and sharing that with you because it's likely that they will come into contact with some kind of racism or oppression and they probably do every day so it's yeah. one of those things yeah that's super needed yeah i feel like that's I mean, growing up in Memphis, too, Mm. like, I feel like that's a thing. And I guess I've always wondered, like, what role can I play just being of a different color? Right. And it's up to us. Like, it's we're the ones with the power. And so we can't leave it up to black people to fix the issue because they're not the ones that hold the power. And so we have to be we can't just, like, sit back and do nothing because then we're part of the problem. Right. Yeah, it's well, like, I think you're doing a great job of that and doing what you can and your time and energy an and ally. research. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Well, and I think that's something that I try to think about too is just how can I do that in my means or my platforms mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And it can be overwhelming because, like, it's one of those things, like, you're not going to fix the world's problems. Right. And you can still do something, you know, at least speaking out or like sharing like your opinions and speaking up for others, um, advocating, you know, like you went to a few protests. So like that is getting involved, you know, like it's not going to nothing's going to change unless a large part of our population actually thinks that something needs to change. Right. And it seems like we're navigating in that direction yeah i know it it's like so polarized that it we're often it doesn't feel like it's yeah. going anywhere like i know just living in tennessee kind of right. feels like we're going backwards we're on an island <laughs> well not really we're, <laughs> yeah we're, we're surrounded by I've like always arkansas thought the South and weird yeah well just like shelby county we're in we're like our only like blue yeah county amongst the red sea yeah. But which like politics really like doesn't mean like has to do with anything, but you know Right, I hate that 
I hate that it's become, and I don't know if it was because it was an election year or. Yeah. I hate that it's political. Yeah. Well, yeah. And I also when wonder human too. Human rights. Yeah. Right. <laughs> if like, because politics are so interwoven with identity. Right. That it actually like goes well, not goes well, but just like. It's enmeshed. Because your identity is wrapped around and because like privilege and the way you look at race and things like mm-hmm. that's so wrapped around identity too and it's yeah. like right. like your political ideation depending on where you live could be a privilege and so like us in shelby county not being republic like i don't i don't like to claim a party even though obviously right. well, I'm, I'm not probably, a democrat anymore either yeah and so but i'm a nothing <laughs> I'm just, you know, whatever I want to be that day. Um, but <laughs> like if we I'm confused. Right. Like we're <laughs> technically in Shelby County the majority, but like if you were to go anywhere else in this state, then right. we wouldn't be. Also, like you have to think about your life goals. Like my profession is definitely more progressive than mm-hmm. say, I don't know uh school teachers maybe i don't know i'm just throwing some coal miners coal miners you know business degree majors like sure it's very possible i'm not saying everyone i'm just saying like in general just based on like our ethical standards and um it's more progressive than say like business might be which not saying that they're less progressive i'm just saying that like (laughs) You're gonna start it's, another war, Tristan. It's more. It's more likely. <laughs> I just know a lot of business majors. Right. They just don't deal. Right. I mean, hopefully now, like corporations are being faced with, right. like, are we including like these things mm-hmm. and talking about a more specific diversity plan and yeah, yeah. Well, that's really exciting. I feel like I'm sure. Yeah, it's super needed in Memphis. Super needed around the country. Super needed around the world. Right. Yeah, that's exciting. And I feel like our world is moving in the right direction. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I think we're always getting better. I think we're just, yeah, like hyper-focused on the yeah. present day. And right. so it's like really intense right now. Yeah, yeah. And it's hard, like when there is such an extreme opposite, like it can be hard to see the progress that's being made, I guess, when there's so much like division and like divisiveness. But Like as a whole, I got pretty inspired by all the protests this summer and how it was worldwide. And it just seemed a lot more far reaching than it ever has. So fingers crossed, like we can only hope that we keep going in the right direction. I I feel like we will. I mean, I don't know if it's people are going to be shamed into it, but I mean, I feel like we are. Yeah. I know for sure. I think we do kind of hold the sentiment of, yes, we just elected a new president, but I don't think people are going to like go, ba- hopefully they don't go back into their shell or back on the couch and pretend like nothing. Yeah. Like the fact that like, like whew, we can, we can stop now. We don't, maybe not, don't have to pay as close attention to what's going right. on in government. Doesn't mean that we shouldn't. Yeah. 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 And I feel like throughout the whole thing too is and my mom's always been pretty yeah uh active active but like inspired me to pay attention to local government and so I think that was a big thing that I realized 
just this year is it might not seem like you have a lot of control or can change a lot, especially like, oh, yeah, my vote doesn't matter for the president, blah, blah, blah. Your vote does matter when you're voting in city elections or county elections and really just paying attention to who are the candidates. Like I watched a couple of like reading about them, seeing what their platform is, like watching how certain county commissioners or city council people vote on oh yeah certain issues like you can watch their zooms it's crazy yeah it's all because it's all because like before the pandemic it was accessible to the public and so they were like i guess let's put it on zoom but yeah just like watching some of them vote and you're like holy shit we elected those people in office and they're voting against right like they're not living up to what they said they would do right right Mm -hmm. yeah i like that i've always thought it was interesting that you could see how everyone how they vote on every single thing yeah well and i think hopefully we can keep like the transparency thing going moving forward and just like i think it's kind of cool i think we're kind of cracking open the thing on like the establishment and like figuring out we do have a role in government and we do Mm -hmm. have a role as citizens to know and to pay attention and to hold accountable which i think is important and for some reason, I guess we just got complacent. <laughs> right. And there's ways to get involved. Like you not saying that you have to like run for office or anything, but like you can help by like writing letters or like calling your legislators and telling them like what's important to you. Dude, I wrote a letter to Marsha Blackburn <laughs> and like Ugh. it's a mess writing to Republicans. Well, like I was like like writing like you need to impeach donald trump well she doesn't answer until after biden got inaugurated i got the same email and it was like why did you it's like you purposely waited until you could have that response of it doesn't make a difference now and i'm like bitch right oh yeah so yeah i can attest to the frustration well and even like I don't even think I got a, a letter, an email back from everyone. Yeah. I think a lot of them either ignore it or. Yeah. So actually, I don't know if you heard about it. And I, I'm i like part of this group on Facebook, but they're like trying to build this pipeline connection through Memphis. It's what? like, yeah. They so are? they are wanting to build this. There's like a. It's called the Bihalia Connection. And there's like a pipeline. I think it's through Valero, the gas station. Mm-hmm. And they're they're plotted to build it. And it goes right through like South Memphis. These people are getting, black communities are getting like these letters of like, we're buying your property. What? And you have yeah, to leave? Kind of, basically? yeah. So like I had to write, they were asking people to write to people in office right and some of them wrote back and some of them didn't but i think there's a lot of advocacy for it so that's really cool but yeah it's also like completely fucked like uh, it's just really weird like there's like there's no changing their well, minds well they have they're waiting all you gotta on... do is get an environmental impact report and that can slow things down well, I think that's how they were going about it because a lot of people were voicing their concerns and like, please don't do this. People don't want this. And they're like, well, we already met all the standards. But oh. so I think people were trying to figure out how they were not meeting the standards and mm-hmm. like doing that. And um, so I think they're waiting for a permit, maybe from the Army Corps or something. But 
the maybe the Army Corps of Engineers. Okay. Um, but they haven't given. I don't think they they've given their permit yet. So like we okay. emailed a bunch of those people and stuff. But <sighs> y'all have to send it to you. It's yeah. like. Well, and it's crazy because it's like, what if the oil spills right. in our water? Not to mention, like, these people's homes and their livelihoods. Yeah, like, is I don't even... Yeah, definitely send me this because yeah. I wouldn't, I don't even know about this. Yeah, and, like... It goes under the radar. And that's the thing, too, like, talking about how overwhelming it is. It's like, I can only make sure that I send these emails right now and, like, sharing and, like, talking about it sometimes, like, gives me anxiety. But right, that also doesn't matter. Yeah, wow. There's so many things. Like, there's so many, like, causes, you know? Right. Yeah. yeah. Wow. I think, yeah, we can just start by... Start, like, locally, kind. you know? But, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, Try to build your community up and then... Yeah. Expand yeah, I think we were ambitious. talking about voting, yeah. But, <laughs> yeah, I'll send that to you. Cool. Well, I guess getting into radical acceptance, the whole reason that... I mean, you were probably going to be on the podcast anyways, but me and Tristan <laughs> were talking about something one day and she mentioned radical acceptance. And I have this book by Tara Brock and I haven't read it in a minute, but I've read it a couple times, but, uh, embracing your life with the heart of a Buddha. And it says through her deep experience as a therapist, Buddhist meditation teacher, yogi, and mother, Tara Brock sheds light upon the vital subject of learning to realize inner completeness, wholeness, and healing. And so I thought Tristan would be a cool person to talk about because we haven't even really had, I mean, we get into these topics, but we haven't like yeah. talked about it and like what you know in your career and academic things yeah. so yeah I guess what is it right what got you into it I guess the whole yeah okay you yeah well <laughs> radical acceptance is like one of those things that's like probably one of the hardest things to do so it's a dialectical behavior therapy skill which what does dialectical mean um it just means like two things that are seemingly opposite can be true like at the same time. Yeah, duality. Yeah. Um, and so DBT for short, it's all about – because, you know, like some modes of therapy are about change and some are about acceptance. And DBT is about how to balance change and acceptance because you can't just do one or the other. You know, like some things you need to accept and some things you can change. And mm -hmm. so um, – learning like what works for you at that moment in this situation um and so talk about self-awareness <laughs> yeah and um I try to teach radical acceptance to middle schoolers <laughs> and that's good teenagers and high schoolers and I've also tried to explain it to even um this was one of my favorite things to share like um, when I was at Crestwind on the geriatric unit unit and I was like telling them about radical acceptance and they just seemed really intrigued by it um but like the the same thing like everyone's like this is really hard this is a hard skill um and it is um so basically it's about radical acceptance is all about accepting reality as it is because 
um, pain and suffering in our life is inevitable. And so learning that we can't always change reality, you know, and if we constantly try to push against what's reality, then we end up making ourselves miserable. Sure. And basically, one of my favorite ways to explain it is there are four options in every situation. And the first one is to solve the problem. So like, say if you're faced with a problem, your first option, if you can solve the problem, okay, great, solve the problem. Sometimes you can't solve that problem. So what can you do? Um, Another thing you can do is maybe change how you feel about the problem. And so changing like how you interpret this issue, like the situation, um, how like it's affecting you and maybe trying to understand it a different way. Um, So changing how you feel about it is another option in a situation. The third option, if you can't solve the problem and you can't change how you feel about it, you have to radically accept because if you don't radically accept, then you end up just fighting against yourself. And the fourth option is to stay miserable. <laughs> so yeah. you can do one of these things or you can stay miserable, which no one wants to do that. Um, sometimes like we'll ask, where do you think you fall into this? Like, are you the problem solver? Are you the one that's trying to think about how you feel and how you interpret the problem and change how you feel? Are you the one that just accepts everything as it is? Or are you one that stays miserable? And people sometimes will, especially like teenagers, you know, they try to be funny. They're like, I stay miserable and I want to stay miserable. Like, you know, teenagers are fun. But the goal is acceptance. And it's acceptance of your situation now and of the past. Because Mm, you can't change the past that's a hard pill to swallow sometimes when because like you know they always say like depression's in the past Mm -hmm. and anxiety's in the future Mm -hmm. and all you can control is like what's in front of you right now and if you can't change how you feel about it and you can't solve the problem you're to avoid more suffering you're gonna have to accept it because and it doesn't mean that you're approving of it it doesn't mean that you like the situation It just means that, hey, this is kind of what's going on. And so it just helps you to move forward. And so like something I like to think about, like an example uh, makes sense right now is the whole pandemic thing is like, for sure. I can't make the coronavirus go away. Did you ask it nicely? (laughs) (laughs) I I said, I I said, pretty please. I sent a letter. I sent flowers. And it wouldn't go away. I was like, come on. If I just like spray bleach, maybe it'll go. But, you know, (laughs) it wouldn't go away. So I can't solve that problem. Right. I can't change how I feel about it because no one likes this. Like no one wants to be socially distant. No one wants to have to wear masks. Right. And I've accepted reality that, hey, like there's a deadly virus and I could potentially get infected and potentially infect other people. Therefore, I have to accept that, hey, I have to be apart from people right now and I have right. to do all these safety precautions in order to be healthy and for my friends and family to be healthy. So that's one thing where I've really had to think about radical acceptance. Sure, yeah. Um, it's a great example. Yeah, especially because like in school, 
like we were all like <laughs> not doing okay at the beginning. Like yeah. we're like, well, maybe I just will take a semester off because I don't want to go online kind of thing. Right. Kind of thinking, well, maybe I'm just acting irrational. <laughs> You're being dramatic. <laughs> like maybe I don't need to drop out of school for a semester. <laughs> were you thinking about that? It had crossed my mind. I was like, well, I don't know if I want to continue just being online if that's what we're going to do. Right. But I was like, well, the whole world is adjusting. Like, I can adjust too. doesn't mean that I like it. Right. Or I'm happy about it. Right. It just means that that's what's, that's what's going on. <laughs> yeah. And it actually, it helped, it takes a burden off, you know, mm-hmm. like, because there are so many things that I get upset about that are just out of my control. Yeah. But then I have to remind myself, like, this is out of my control. Like, I can't do anything about this. And then there are times where, say, you have accepted it and then an opportunity or something happens and you actually can solve a problem, solve the problem or change how you feel about it. Then by all means, like, do that. But until that shows up, unless that doesn't, if that doesn't present itself to you, then acceptance is your only other option and it's one of those things that you're gonna have to go continually remind yourself to do because it's it's, a practice yeah it's not easy it's like coming into like a fork in the road like am I gonna accept this or am I not gonna accept this and just knowing like okay well what will happen if I don't yeah like reasonably and just thinking about that and most of the times like it ends up not being <laughs> like good for you, you know? Yeah. You look like you had a question. Oh, well, I was just going to say like this year, I feel like has been a huge like lesson in radical acceptance. Just oh yeah, dealing with traumatic things that happen, dealing with the shit that's happened in my life, like right. dealing with all sorts of things. Right. And it's definitely been, yeah, a practice. Yeah. Yeah. It's not fun. It's not. <laughs> and that's okay. But yeah, you're right. It does help. Like, yeah. I guess the more you do it. Right. Because like if you live in denial and if you don't accept reality, then you're living in like an alternate reality, you know? And <laughs> one of them parallel you're not, universes. Right. You're not really like living in truth. And if you're not living in truth, then everything you do from then and forward is not going to be like authentic, you know, if you're just refusing to accept reality and continuing to go through your life, denying that reality exists and denying that this pain is here, then you're just going to set yourself up for other pain later on by like how much you deny reality, which I could get in a whole like wormhole But like I was thinking about this talking to my mom the other day and how radical acceptance would really help her um, and her grieving that Donald Trump did not win. And my dad as well, because they have not accepted the reality that Joe Biden has won a free and fair election. And so they're harvesting onto this belief and refusing to accept reality and then they're just making themselves miserable by doing that because like they can't change anything they're obviously not going to change how they feel about it they're definitely not accepting it right now like they've accepted it to a 
a tiny percent. Like service level. Yeah. Like they've acknowledged that he's one, but they're like, well, he's not my president kind of thing. And so that just sets them up for more, like more obstacles going forward, you know? Cause like if. Well, kind of like what you were talking about, yeah. like that resistance. Yeah. Like if you, yeah, are just like. It takes up so much mental strength too. Yeah. And energy. Yeah. And just imagine if you were able to, even though it's not fun, accept it and move on. Like it's a liberating feeling and like freeing. Even if you're not happy about it, you don't approve of it, you don't like it, you're way against it. But if you understand it as reality and like something you can't change, then it's less likely to have a hold over you. Yeah, that makes sense. Where do you think... I always have to be careful because I'm like, am I projecting this onto people? But like, where do you think the general consensus (laughs) consensus is right now in their radical acceptance journey based on your interactions with the people? Like, like, do you think they're on, like you said, like, like when you were asking your students, like, what, what step do they think they're on? What step do you think? Like, where do you think people are in general? Yeah. I think that depends on the person because like you have those people that are problem solvers, like they will go to the ends of earth, try to like solve a problem. Like they'll think that there's always a solution. And so they might drive themselves crazy doing that. But then you have those people. I feel like I sometimes will fall into like changing how I feel about it because I think sometimes I'm able to do that and I don't have to accept it. And so thinking about like, hey, well, maybe there's an alternate way to think about the situation to where it doesn't bring me so much distress. Right. You know, like, like I, I wouldn't like seeing like the silver lining in things is an example, but like, I feel like that's like a surface level example of like trying to change how you feel about it. Um, Another skill that you can use to change how you feel about things is called opposite action, which is basically like first you have to understand like what your emotion is and then what that action urge is to that emotion. And so say like if you're depressed and your urge is to self-isolate, you do the opposite. So go to a party. Yeah, you like (laughs) go and socialize. And it's more likely that that will change how you feel about it. So if you do the opposite of what you would do in that situation, you can change how you feel. It's not like a foolproof thing. Obviously, it takes practice, but that's one of the skills that you can use to change how you feel or just looking at alternative meanings, you know, like, okay, maybe this is like a bad thing for me, but maybe it's actually a good thing overall. But, like, as far as, like, people in general, like, I think it's hard. It's really hard to accept reality because people like to people like to think that they can – like, you have two different ends of the spectrum. Some people think that they – you know, like, the whole locus of control thing. Like, some people think that they don't have control over anything in their life. Like, everything is predetermined. They're set up for failure if they fail. They were set up for, like, if they are successful, it's not because of what they did. It's because of their environment. And then you have the people on the other side that are, like, everything 
is up to me. Like if I fail, it's I'm a fit, like I'm a failure. Um, if I succeed, it's because of what I did, not with anything else. Like it wasn't because maybe I was born into a family that has all these privileges and connections and I can get a good job and all this right. stuff. And so then you have like, I guess, people that are on all kinds of spectrums yeah. of that. And I think acceptance kind of comes in to where like accepting when you have control and when you don't. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah. So yeah, it just depends on where you fall. Because like I sometimes think about that. I'm like, I like to think that I fall in the middle, but sometimes I'm like, I have to catch myself being like blaming myself, you know, mm -hmm. if say like if I don't get a review or something that says positive or whatever right. and just putting that on all on me and maybe not well hey maybe this person just didn't have a good experience or right whatever it may be yeah. so yeah so I feel like that's kind of a good segue because the way I learned about radical acceptance was about yourself Mm -hmm. Like radically accepting who you are as a human being, flaws and all. Right. More so, I guess, than reality, which both I think apply. Yeah. And th I think they're both. Yeah. Radical acceptance, acceptance is like this big idea that can apply to both. But yeah, when you were talking about how you were like, sometimes I over identify and say like, oh, I could have like done something different or tried harder or. Mm hmm. I thought that was a cool segue into talking about that. Do you, I guess, are you, do you, God bless. <laughs> <laughs> Have you seen that video of the kid? And he's like, Have you ever had a dream that, oh, you, that, and then that you, and yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I did. I have. I feel like my brain does that all the time. Yes. I even do that when I'm like teaching. I'm like, you know, like, like when this happens and you know what I mean? You know what I'm trying to say, guys? Come right. on. Like, you know what I'm where I'm going. It's like I've become... you can fill in the pieces. <laughs> my brain can't. <laughs> right. Like I need her out. Yeah, I feel like I've definitely embraced radical acceptance because I used to be like, Oh my God, I just messed up. I just said the wrong thing. Right. I just probably sounded so stupid, but now I'm like, we got Tristan's dogs up in the studio. <laughs> but yeah, now I'm just like <laughs> feeling like it's okay and that it's probably just something that I need to embrace anyways. Yeah. Radical acceptance about yourself can be like some of the hardest. For sure. Because... If you're if there's like an aspect of yourself that you're not okay with, sure you might be able to change it, but like I can't help that like like I was born and was like something that I used to struggle with was like how I used to really like look down on myself for how tall I was back then when I was Aww. a kid. Like now I've obviously I'm not like as tall but like when I was a kid and I was like way taller than everyone, like I was like, why am I, like, what am I, am I eating too many vegetables? Like, it, can I slow this down? Um, I drank coffee because I was like, I heard that stunt your growth. And also I have a coffee addiction now right. because of that. <laughs> um, but, you know, like those things that you can't change. But 
especially like with teenagers like trying to do radical acceptance with them and like when oh yeah their hormones are all over. oh yeah yeah especially like it's hard for adolescents especially like when maybe they don't have as much control over their lives because like you know like they're minors and they still have to listen to their parent or guardian right. or whoever so it can be harder for them to embrace reality when they don't always have control of reality and right. so that's why it's also really important for them to learn about radical acceptance like find where they do have control right and like harvesting i wonder that. if that's because their prefrontal cortex isn't as developed too or yeah maybe yeah they <laughs> i i love kids and adolescents they're fun yeah it's actually this is probably I wish you saw Wesley, but Wesley's really been struggling. Wesley's my 13-year-old brother. I haven't seen him in so long. But he's been struggling with, like, dealing with – he's like, y'all don't understand. Kids have it so hard right now. Like They do have it harder. school, we have all this stupid homework. Not to mention he's in seventh grade, which is, like, one of the worst (laughs) years ever. Oof. But, like, <laughs> he really feels so out of control. Oh, and yeah. it's, like... Like, where can you get this control in your life? It's like, where can you... Right. Yeah. Well, and I, I feel so bad, too, because I wonder if he's been, like, not told, but just been unconsciously informed that he is a child and doesn't have control and, like... I wonder if that's something too that we yeah. put on kids. That's why a lot of general. kids will act out is because they can control their behavior, sure, but they yeah. may not be able to control their situation. Like I think about Reese, um, my cousin, how he grew up and like only ate like bananas and fruit that. snacks and just like didn't have the best diet. Um, but he had a and my cousin other cousin they had like a chaotic childhood and they like had moved they had to move from Katrina and like relocate to Memphis and their parents got divorced like so that like what my cousin chose to eat was something that was in his control because my aunt my aunt let him choose what to eat and so like if he had that choice he was gonna make it and so, like, kids and people in general, like, they will control the things that they can or at least try because it's a way to get some kind of control like over your life, you yeah. know, right? Because you can feel like Wesley and, like, out of control and, like, you are a kid, so. Right. My mom was <laughs> telling this story. I think he was, like, I don't know, seven or something. He's like, how come I can't drive? How come I can't go to work? It's not fair. <laughs> Oh, well, I'm like, you can switch places with me if you right. want to. It's like, well, one day you're going to wish you were back in seventh grade. <laughs> right. uh, if only. <laughs> not me. Not me. Yeah. I, Probably like, don't not have me. any access to any of my MySpace pictures. Well. Like, I, I think I deleted them or hid the album and I don't have my password anymore. Oh, yeah, I don't have my password either. And it's then I thing. set up my MySpace with your email address because I didn't have an email address, remember? It was like xmattyhatesmeet at Gmail or something. Like, 
and obviously you don't have that email anymore oh. so I couldn't reset my password anyway so I have like this MySpace that's just like it's like a time capsule almost yeah. where I'm still in like a relationship with my 10th grade boyfriend oh and God. have like a whole blurb about him on how he's the greatest boyfriend on my page and so that's just gonna be there forever I guess which I honestly kind of it's kind of comical so yeah it's weird thinking about MySpace <laughs> uh. <laughs> so I guess what do you think why do you think I guess you might have already answered this why do you think radical acceptance is so hard like do you and that's what I was kind of asking you like do you think the majority of the world practices radical acceptance? Probably not. Like what? I'm just trying to figure out what is stopping them. Like the 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 risk of fear and uncertainty is too great for them to change or to make changes. I just mm-hmm. I think that's when my heart goes out to the world because I'm just like I remember what it was like to be sad and miserable and like. Yeah. Well, I think it's so hard because most of the times when you're practicing this, you're having to accept things that you don't like. Like most of the times it's not you like accepting, oh, it's sunny outside, like positive things. Like the reason you have to use this skill is because you can't change how you feel about it. And so you're not happy about it. And so you end up having to accept it because you can't change it. And so I think that's why it's so hard. It's because it's not fun. (laughs) Like it's easy to do something that's fun and something that's enjoyable or something you agree with. But like when you're, especially like if you've been trying, say for instance, you've been pushing against reality for such a long time and you finally accept it, it can kind of seem like you're betraying yourself, you know, because like, I've been thinking this way for so long and I've been fighting against, yeah, I've been fighting against this for so long. And the fact that I'm actually, it's almost like you're giving up identity. Yeah. Like like you're, you could feel like you're giving up on it, which that doesn't mean that you're giving up. It just means that there's nothing at this moment you can do and you have to be honest with yourself. And it doesn't mean that there won't ever be anything. It's just at this moment you have to accept that like, hey, like, it's not the way I want it to be right now. And that's okay. Because like, we can have an enjoyable life while still enduring pain and suffering, because that's going to come up anyways. And so like, if you're able to go through life, knowing that, because like, if you're able to feel that pain, and that suffering and accept it for what it is, then your happy moments are more meaningful. Like, if you're constantly trying to make yourself happy and, like, solve all the world's problems and make life wonderful for yourself, then you're going to end up just making yourself miserable trying to chase that, Mm -hmm. trying to be happy. Yeah. And so that's why I think it's such an important skill to have or if you want to call it a skill or I don't know what you want to call it. (laughs) Philosophy or something. Yeah. Well, I definitely think especially this past year, like embracing that duality and like understanding that, like you said, like this happiness and this pain is going to have to exist. Like 
Right. They both have to exist. I mean, I guess they don't have to if I don't want to believe in reality. But in my reality, I'm trying to figure out how to make sense of it. But yeah. And dialectical thinking has helped me a lot with this, which I forgot to mention. Just like how, like just understanding that two things can be true at the same time. Like I can be having a really bad day and I know that like tomorrow is, might not be a bad day, you right, know, like you have to put your animal to sleep or something. Right. Right. Like, um, like I'm a hard worker and I can be lazy mm-hmm. kind of thing. Like you aren't all one, like life isn't all one thing or the other. It can be both and that's okay. And it can be a hard thing to wrap your head around. Like I've, it's actually like I've thought about it more to where I've actually changed the way that I've like actually talked. And so instead of saying, but in like just normal conversations, I say, and like, Hey, I'm running late, but I'll be there soon. Hey, I'm running late and I'll be there soon. It just kind of like changes. Like I think like, but is kind of like putting like a negative on it and like, well, but I'm doing like, it's like, almost like an excuse kind of thing but like most in most situations like most sentences like adding a negative connotation to right i'm late right like i'm having um like i have to pay into taxes and i appreciate that there are taxes because i want good social services or sure yeah like there's so many ways you can just a normal, like, if you just stop yourself, like, you just pause, like, when you know you're going to say but and change it to and, it can actually just change just how you, I don't know, just kind of, like, change things in my head, mm-hmm. almost. Almost like you're rewiring. Yeah. Yeah, I've definitely done that with, it's kind of separate, but I've done that with gratitude mm-hmm. or, like, always apologizing for things instead yeah. of sorry. I just say thank you and I feel like that's shifted too. It's almost like I'm yeah. not putting myself in this like horrible like, oh my God, I keep fucking up. Right, right. Yeah. Thing. Yeah, it's it's definitely one of those mental things. But it's just something so small that I think it helps me with radical acceptance. Because if you understand that more than one thing can be true at the same time, maybe it's easier to accept reality when that's true true yeah and that's been actually a big topic in like therapy for me it's just like I do have a lot of all or nothing thinking and so like learning to observe that and observe when that's actually coming out of my words or my thoughts and like oh yeah being able to objectively say okay well that was pretty all or nothing or I don't know why it's so much easier to generalize yeah (laughs) yeah so much easier to be like everything's fucking stupid right (laughs) my boyfriend's mad at me so he must hate me like it must be my fault kind of thing or whatever you might be thinking about what do you think creates that i think it might be easier like i think our we naturally want to find a cause for things you don't think there is one Oh, I think there's always, like, everything is cause. Like, all behavior is cause. I was like, wait a second. My reality's crumbling. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I do think that. But, like, 
you don't always have the answers. Like you can't always know what that is. Just knowing that it is caused, maybe you don't know why, but you know, there is a reason. I think I just asked that so that it's like you would do less of that in the future or like, yeah, I guess they're called cognitive distortions, right? Right. Do you, I'm sure we've talked about this. Are you, what's your relationship with like depth psychology and like ego and stuff? Like Carl Jung type stuff? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) You go, oh. I really like like the whole cognitive distortions and like how it's like a, it's really interesting like because like they're just defense mechanisms. Sure. Okay. I think that's what I was like getting at. It's just like talking about the role. Because I think I'm really interested in like the spiritual ego in a spiritual context. Right. But I'm sure you have ego in like a psychological context. Yeah. Does that ever intersect psychology? Psychology. Psychology and spirituality? Are oh, yeah. Are y'all... Do y'all separate it? No, I... Because I know it's different from religion. Yeah, and that's one reason why I really like counseling, too, is because it's so, like, holistic and mind-body connection mm-hmm. kind of thing and how, like, spirituality can be a tool. Because a lot of people they that really they find strength in spirituality and so being able to speak to that and utilize that in sessions is really valuable because a lot of people will just like religion like they find comfort in it like knowing that there's something more like they're not just like nihilistic right like there's some there's more to just me and Mm -hmm. like there I'm part of something larger um and more important and how people can find comfort in that can be really powerful so I don't remember what your question was and if they're separate yeah I was just getting into that well I was just thinking of still like thinking of the cause of like all or another nothing thinking and then you said defense mechanisms and then that's what made me remember like the ego and I was just thinking of like something I heard was like the ego only comes out when feeling threatened yeah to protect itself right yeah yeah because well it's like I have thoughts but they're not like fully like you've thought about it but you haven't like right thought 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 yeah but I know I see where you're going with that because I think my big my big thing was like going from like I think that's why I didn't go to grad school like because I had discovered spirituality and I had taken that yoga class and like Mm -hmm. my whole world changed and like I know they do like research and stuff in spirituality and mindfulness Mm -hmm. and stuff like that but I think I was just like I just took a different trajectory yeah so that's just always been an interesting intersection for me Yeah, well, I definitely think they can intersect because a lot of, like, what I'm interested in is, like, figuring out what works and... What do you mean? Like... Like anything? Like, what's... um, What methods work? Yeah, like, you know, like, evidence-based. And spirituality can be evidence-based. Like, you know, like, you can have real and, like, measurable change through exploring spirituality and embracing that 
on whatever level you want to or comfortable embracing that because a lot of people I like really like strength space and so like what is like how can you find strength like within yourself or outside yourself well both you know and spirituality is definitely something that I think a lot of people find strength in and just like acknowledging the fact that there's more than just like having a job and like being successful paying taxes right (laughs) like what's actually it's basically figuring out like what's important to you and I think that can definitely mix with science you know like for sure um because like what's important to you is can change and it it can be very different from someone else Mm mm-hmm so and I think a lot of times I think about values and like what your values are because like spirituality can be a value that you have and then your values also can affect your spirituality if that makes sense yeah so yeah I just thought it fit along too with radical acceptance just like at least the way I make sense of it is just being part of like this bigger whole right and like I know nobody knows the answers, but if I'm part of this huge whole that somehow created the universe that we live in, Mm -hmm. then I am kind of like a smaller piece of that and Mm -hmm. like finding wholeness through that and trying to make that Yeah, because some people find comfort in that, you know? Well, it's just really helped me with radical acceptance Mm -hmm. and like I am already whole because I'm part of this bigger thing and so even kind of like going to that duality thing again like there are bad things exist but I'm also like infinite and perfect and whole right period right one of my favorite assumptions of dbt is like I am trying the best I can and I can try better try harder so like what does an assumption mean um it's just like context just like a belief of Mm, the mode of therapy and so like that's one of their assumptions is like you can be trying as hard as you can and you can try harder because like we always have more room in us to grow and I don't know that just always like sticks out to me and it kind of helps me like give grace to other people like everyone everyone is trying as hard as they can yeah just what with whatever they have like they're trying as hard as they can and everyone can try harder like everyone could put in much more effort Mm -hmm. and that's kind of helped me like thinking about that like I like not being so hard on myself sometimes like I was I was trying like I with what I had like I was doing the best I can yeah it's hard to remind yourself of that yeah it is that's why I'm like why can't you try harder (laughs) yeah but like at that given moment like that's the best that I had and being okay with that that's beautiful (laughs) Do you feel like, I remember you were talking about going and counseling and you, in general, like, grew in Mm self-awareness. Do you personally feel like your spirituality has changed? Do you feel like there's any sort of relationship or anything that you've noticed in your beliefs or values as you've, like, gone on this journey? Yeah, I think it's definitely helped me be more open to 
other modes of thinking. Um, and it's just made me more appreciative of like life in general and also like wanting to like live life, you know, and not just because the reason I work so hard is because like, like I, I get joy. Like if it's for anyone, it's like for myself, like I, I enjoy like being in school and like pursuing this career and like going like I want to do something that I love and like it's not about money because like people always like to say well you're gonna be making lots of money when you graduate and I'm like do you not know what field (laughs) I'm going into like uh no but anyways uh well then I also hate when people are like you're not gonna get any money and you're just like I know leave me alone it's like that's not what I'm here for (laughs) right um yeah I definitely think I've been more like practice more like mindfulness and I really really try to be mindful in everything that I'm doing it's the hardest thing like it really is because well it's another practice yeah well you know like I also have ADHD and so like I'm also like going crazy at the same time but (laughs) um like trying to be like okay I'm actually doing this right now and I don't need to worry about what I'm gonna eat for dinner or how I'm gonna finish this paper due on Tuesday like I'm like here talking with you and I don't get to see you that often and so like being in the moment and like actually being present and is really something I've strived to do and like it really wasn't like a priority like I was always like multitasking and multitasking is a myth by the way um but I think they talk about like in zen psychology or yeah something yeah like do one thing at a time right because like what I'm you never can do like you can try to do like multiple things but you're not ever gonna do like a give it a hundred percent if you're doing all these different things at once right so I definitely think going through this program has helped me be more mindful and like embrace mindfulness and just like be more appreciative of like life and like I've always been an optimist you probably know that Um, but almost and I'm sure you can agree too just almost that toxic positivity optimist yeah I have had to like acknowledge that within myself right and like being okay with Almost being like, sad. I'm uncomfortable. If you're uncomfortable, everything's fine. <laughs> right. And like trying to always like mend things. Sure. Yeah. And I am okay with not being okay. And like if other people aren't okay, like and they're around me, like I'm okay with that. Like it's not going to bother me. Like it, I never was really uncomfortable with other people, like say for instance, someone's like crying or something. Like that never really made me uncomfortable before. I guess that's another reason why this feels good for me because there's a lot of crying You're people like, around me is crying. <laughs> but um yeah it's just just more appreciative of human nature too just I just I'm very I'm one to like give people like the benefit of the doubt sure. and I think that's just kind of like made that even more apparent for me and like solidified that because like that was always a part of me but I think I've just I have a more positive view of humans I guess like yes I I probably say that I hate people sometimes but (laughs) normal like I truly like am appreciative of like humans and 
like what we can do and how we, you know, like navigate life. And it's just interesting to me. For sure. I'm just like over here imagining like these vines like interweaving and it's like we started our journey together and I'm sure I've shared but like my parents were divorced and so we Mm -hmm. didn't see each other a lot right and like especially through high school because I moved but like right it's so wild that we're like still like fucking like parallel on our journeys even though we took completely different routes yeah because like I just think what you were just sharing about like being present and mindfulness and valuing others and appreciating life is just like that's right where I'm at too right well I feel like every time we get together we always are like on the same wavelength yeah maybe our souls just probably you know decided that was gonna be yeah we didn't always get along you're probably the friend I had like the most fights with growing up. That's because we were like sisters. Yeah. <laughs> Hallie, we're twins. <laughs> twins. I watched that recently too. I think I watched that before Freaky Friday. Oh. It was a good movie. I haven't seen it in a while. Disney Plus. Oh. We like have our membership until the, tw- I think, I don't know. We only have it a few more days. I got to watch Soul again. <laughs> Oh no! Yeah, we have one. You can borrow, but borrowing the logins, you know. Gotta tell Taylor though. He might be like, mm. <laughs> "That's um, so funny." Yeah, I can't remember what we were talking about then. Just how we've oh yeah been doing our own thing, but then coming back together and still being like on the same wavelength. Yeah. Well, I always feel like out of all my friends, like we can always just pick up where we left off because like like we can have a few weeks without talking and then but like we talk it's like normal i'm like help me (laughs) (laughs) yeah normally it's like oh my goodness help like what what do i do um i think it's good that we're like that though for each other because it is hard and overwhelming sometimes when people want like all of you all the time oh yeah it can be exhausting because I try to give myself to myself, and that's hard. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, I don't know if I have enough time for me. Right. So, I'm spreading myself. boundaries. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I think I've, it's interesting, like, I, this is, like, off topic, I guess. Like, I've grown more into, like, an introvert as Same. I've gotten older. I don't I know what realize, it is. But I, like, need alone time. Yeah, me too. Like, before I was, like, I, that never I never really needed alone time. Like, and I always, like, wanted to be, like, hang out with my friends and be somewhere doing something all the time. But now I'm, like, I don't want to do anything, and I think that's okay. So I wonder if it's, like, correlated with, like, how self-aware you are. Or, like, maybe you realize the benefit of, like, yeah, well, who you are. I guess I don't. I've learned that I don't need other people to entertain me and Same. I can entertain myself. Um, and it's probably more fulfilling that way. Yeah. Because you can't depend on others to entertain you. Um, Setting up for disappointment. Yeah. You try. <sighs> well, that was awesome. I'm like still like, holy shit. We got to do this again. Yeah. I mean, you we're always welcome to have this we can just we could just talk yeah we don't need the microphones (laughs) 
Yeah, but I just like, you know, no, yeah. need content. <laughs> oh, no, I know what you mean. No, no, like we could do another podcast too. Oh, for sure. Yeah, because yeah. I think, I mean, I don't want to like use your degree, but like I don't have a degree. So like you have a degree. I know, but I'm just saying like having a bachelor's in psychology is not the same as a PhD in psychology or like like your expertise. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? Well, I'm not an expert but you're the most expert I I know I like talking (laughs) about things that I'm passionate about for sure well so yeah I think wait and I'm still not an expert in radical acceptance or dbt but and I still enjoy (laughs) talking about it and (laughs) so well you're well versed and you've studied which I'm not a great public speaker even though this isn't in public it just takes practice yeah you're right. Well, you have the degree, and I'll talk to the public. It's perfect. Okay, that works. <laughs> we always talk about starting a business or something, so. Well, dude, like, I'll have to get you talking with Davis, but Davis wants, we all want to do, like, some sort of healing, holistic healing festival. And, like, he's, Oh, like, yeah, I remember you told me about that. He's on the yoga side, and so, like, that's cool. mind, body, spirit. That sounds awesome. I mean, I'm not really like expertise in spirituality, but I've also learned that you can have ex- everyday expertise in things that you experience. So, oh, that's yeah. cool. I guess that makes sense, though. Like my experiences are valid. You're and- an expert in yourself. Exactly. Okay. But yeah, we just have to just use your experiences. Like your experiences are valuable. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll figure out all that stuff. <laughs> okay. But yeah, thanks so much, Tristan. It's been thanks for having the coolest freaking thing and getting to interview you after all these years. Is I like, know I'm sad. I'm glad we act. I'm glad we actually were able to like schedule a time. We were yeah, both yeah, free. Yeah. So. yeah. Well, you know me. I'm always free. Well. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You know, not for long. Yes, not for long. I look forward to the next time we can have another podcast Yay. and. I'm sure your passions will grow. Good luck on your dissertation you. and finishing Zoom school. You Zoom. You're gonna be a Zoom graduate. University. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, I will talk to everybody later. Bye, Tristan. Bye. If you'd like access to more podcasts and a postcard each month, check us out on Patreon.com/slash Embrace Madness.